0: God is at work. He is at work in his church. What that means is, he is at work in the life of the individual, transforming the heart and the mind to be the people he has called us to be. This work will challenge us and take us out of our comfort zone, but through this process, we become stronger. And better equipped to live the lives that God has called us to live. Lives of virtue, lives of holiness. Here and now. Under instruction. Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's good to see you here this morning. I'm so excited to be back with you after being gone for the last couple of weeks uh two weeks ago i had an opportunity to spend a little time with my dad uh and i think most of you know the situation there and then last week i was down in in equipment uh at the madison i mean at the madison campus the the we hope to launch a madison campus one day soon but the equipment campus and just supporting them down there and encouraging nick who is uh was preaching that day so i had an opportunity to just sit out there and and listen, and he did a great job, and and things are going really well there. But it's good to be back here in the saddle. I appreciate Gabe and Darren filling in for me as I was away, and and uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. I, I know that it appears that summer is in full swing because it is getting hot out there. Amen, and uh, and and also that people are beginning to take vacations. People are going away for the summer and doing the things that they do on vacation, and that it just becomes very obvious this time of the year that it's is summertime. And, uh, but I tell you, I I can't think of a better place I would rather be if I'm in town than right here with my faith family and just seeing God move in such incredible ways among the lives of so many in this place. And uh, how many of you just love Jesus this morning? Amen? I tell you, he's just so worthy of of everything that we could celebrate in him. And so uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. This morning, we're kicking off a new series called Under Construction. And uh, I'll be talking about that in just a moment. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the message here today and dive into uh, the Word of God. So let's pray, and then we're going to get started here this morning. So pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank You so much for this day, and we thank You, God, for Your presence in this place. God, uh, before the the first chord is ever strummed, before the first key is ever played, uh, Father, You have moved in this place, and God, You have you have drawn us near and we come in this place ready to worship you in spirit and truth and we come into this place God ready to bring glory to your name in the name of Jesus our savior and father we just thank you for your presence in this place we thank you for God the work that you're doing here the work that you're doing in the lives of so many individuals and father I pray that as we prepare to dive into your word this morning the to, to see the truth that You want to teach us today. Father, I pray that You would open our hearts and our minds. You would prepare us for the receiving of Your Word. Uh, Lord, I pray that You would just speak deeply into our hearts, that You would stir our souls. God, we love You so much. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for the atonement of our sins. Father, but was buried in a a borrowed tomb, and in three days he rose from the grave, having victory over both sin and death. Lord, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for this time together when we can dive into Your Word, and God, just continue to worship You in spirit and truth through the reading and the preaching of Your Word. And I pray, Father, that today You would just hide me behind the cross as You prepare to speak to Your people. Lord, we love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, it hasn't been really that long since we finished this building up and we moved in, and and uh, you can walk the halls and you can still smell the, the paint, is still fresh. In fact, we're still painting in some places, so that's probably why the paint smells so fresh. But uh, I, I know as a staff, it's, it's funny because we haven't even learned where all the rooms are yet, so we're still sort of moving into this place. But as I think about this series and what we're going to be walking through today what we begin to realize and what is so important for us to understand is the church is not a building we would say that we would know that Uh, we we talk about that all the time the church is not this building the church of the people God's people that come into this place and live life together and do life together and and God does a great and mighty work in us and so as we think about this series we we must understand that God has this incredible way of molding and shaping us through the transformation of our hearts and creating in us what He desires to create in us. Uh, In other words, what I'm trying to say is that as disciples of Christ Jesus, we are continually under construction ourselves as God continues to work in our life and continues to lead us and guide us in, in everything that He wants to do. We are under construction by the mighty hand of God and we are being sanctified daily by the Holy Spirit. This morning, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly where I want to start in this series. I want to start by, by really taking a look at the Holy Spirit. And so that's where we're going to be going here this morning. You know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, uh, many people are confused about exactly who He is and what He does in our life, I believe that oftentimes the Holy Spirit is very misunderstood, and, and, and there's just a lot of uh, controversy surrounding who the, the Holy Spirit is, even among Christian circles. And because of that, I think a lot of times pastors sort of shy away from even preaching about the Holy Spirit. It's just sort of one of those things that, that it sort of weirds out a lot of people for whatever reason. But one of the things that we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is not some sort of Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's not some sort of weird cousin to Jesus. I mean, what we need to understand is the personhood of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand His role in our life. And that's where I want us to start here this morning. I think often we sort of equate the Holy Spirit with emotionalism and spontaneity and those sorts of things. But instead of really seeing Him for who He is. And so this morning we're going to be diving into uh, I believe a very good look at who the Holy Spirit is and understanding that as believers and disciples of Jesus that we are in this process of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God and is something that we need to understand as we prepare to talk about what it means to be sort of under construction by God as He is molding and shaping our hearts into who He wants us to be. Now the Holy Spirit is introduced to us all the way back in Genesis. In fact, if you go to Genesis 1, chapter 2, you'll see the first glimpse that we have of the Holy Spirit. And so we begin to see that that the Holy Spirit has been around, you know, since forever. But but the thing that we really see as we get into the New Testament is that Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to us as He prepares to ascend into heaven, as He prepares to leave His disciples. And this is where we really begin to see, uh, get a glimpse of, of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Jesus's disciples, and so you know, one of the things that we know is that Jesus's disciples—they really loved Jesus. They really had a heart for Jesus. They were devoted to Jesus. They—they they were following Jesus. They were always around him, and he was always speaking into their life, and he was constantly discipling his disciples and so he he was teaching them a lot of things and what we see when we go to the gospel of john and we go to chapter 13 we see where jesus begins to speak into their life about a time that is near and that time is a time when he will leave them as you can imagine if you spent the last three years with somebody and you're very close to that individual and suddenly they start talking about leaving it's not something that's going to be very comforting to you and it wasn't to the disciples either but Jesus begins to speak about leaving and in other words he begins to talk to them about dying He start, he's, he's pointing to this reality that he's about to go to the cross and he's going to die and that he will not be with them much longer and as he talks about that he begins to talk about the reality that, that he's going to come to this place where no longer will he be with them in any sort of physical form but rather he is going to ascend into heaven and as you can imagine the disciples during this time they were very distraught they begin to ask questions like well where are you going what are you doing what do you mean i don't get this and so there was this sort of tension that sort of started building up between jesus and his disciples as he's revealing this truth to them that he must die on the cross and that he would be leaving them by the time we get to john 14 we begin to see that Jesus, though He seeks to comfort them, and the way He begins to comfort them is by revealing to them there is one who will come into their life, the Holy Spirit will come into their life, and this is how Jesus begins to comfort them, that even though He is leaving, He will still be with them. And so we begin to see this. In John 14, starting with verse 18, this is what Jesus says to them. Read this with me, if you will. This is very powerful, I believe, and, and certainly would be very comforting to the disciples as they prepare to sort of embrace this new, uh, this new truth that they're hearing. But we read in John 14, verse 18, where Jesus says this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now right there, that would already be confusing to me. Wait a minute, you just said you're leaving and then you're saying you're coming to me. But Jesus continues. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see no more. But you will see me because I live, you also Will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, I'm sure that the disciples, by the time He finished that sentence, that mouth full of words, that they were really, really confused. I mean, wait a minute. You say you're going to leave, but now you're saying you're still going to be here. And so you're going to have to explain this, Jesus. If I'm going to, if I'm going to grasp this at all, you're going to have to go a little bit further. And so He does. He continues to teach them. He continues to try to help them understand what He's trying to say. By the time we get to verse 25, He says this. He says, These things... I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Look at this, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit. You see that? The Helper, the Holy Spirit, He says, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said To you. Now, I want us to just stop right there for just a moment because I don't want us to go any further until we have truly grasped what Jesus is saying to his disciples. There's no doubt He's about to go to the cross and die. He he will go there, He will die, and it wouldn't be long after that, He'd be raised from the grave and He would eventually ascend into heaven. And so if you know anything about the Gospel, you know that that's what took place as Jesus ascended into heaven. But He's speaking of this Holy Spirit who will come to them and will dwell with them and in them. And Jesus will be with them and in them and they will be in Him. And and, and so he's, He's having all this conversation here. But one of the most powerful things that we see here in this passage as we look at this is that Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. And then He says, the Father is sending the Helper, the Holy Spirit. There's probably nothing that Jesus could have said that was more comforting than for Him to offer the truth that they will not be left as orphans. If you've ever faced the reality of losing someone you love, and I know many of you in this room have already had to deal with that in your life, but if you've ever faced that, just the thought of it, just the thought of it, is enough to cause a lot of tension in your life, a lot of anxiety and fear in your life. But how encouraging it was to the disciples, and not just the disciples, but also to it should be for each and every one of us in this room as well, if there was ever a more relevant message for us here today, as we think about living this life, losing loved ones and, 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 and even thinking about who Jesus Christ is and, and the fact that He resides on the right hand of the Father and often feeling all alone in this place, on this world, if there was ever anything that was so comforting to us, it's knowing that we're not alone. We're not alone at all. That Jesus took care of that many, many years ago when the Father sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell with us. He's not some weird cousin of Jesus that just comes in and out when He pleases. He's not some sort of Casper the Friendly Ghost. Some of you young people don't know who in the world Casper the Friendly Ghost is. How many of you remember Casper the Friendly Ghost? I love that cartoon. I used to love that cartoon. But that shouldn't be our view of the Holy Spirit. He is so much more than all of that. And so this morning, I want to talk about, in in more depth, about the Holy Spirit. And we're specifically talking about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do this morning, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is where we're going to go this morning as we dive into God's Word together. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 16. Through twenty-three, verse sixteen through twenty-three. Now, in this passage, Paul is writing a letter to the Galatians, to the church there in Galatia, and his purpose for writing this is to teach them about justification by faith. Justification by faith. There were there was some some really uh, weird theology that was happening in the church, and so the apostle Paul was wanting to to write to them to sort of correct this. these errors that they were experiencing. There was a bit of a theological crisis, if you will, among the Galatians. And so Paul's writing to them, but just before he finishes this letter, just before he finishes this letter, he begins to instruct them on what it means to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and so I I must wonder if he's writing to sort of correct their theology if maybe they were sort of suffering through this as well a little bit and so he's preparing to write this letter and he's writing this letter dealing with all these theological things and then just before he gets to the end of Galatians he begins to write this passage speaking of the Holy Spirit this is what it says starting with Galatians 5 verse 16 read this with me if you will He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do but if you were led by the spirit you were not under the law now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity sensuality, idolatry sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, dissensions divisions, envy drunkenness, orgies and the things like these I warn you as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires look at verse 25 if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit if we live in with by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit now there are several things that the apostle paul understood about the ministry of the holy spirit this isn't the only time he wrote about the holy spirit there was a lot of times that he was writing about the the ministry of the holy spirit but there were several things that he certainly understood about the ministry of the holy spirit the first one is that he knew that the ministry of the holy spirit was personal he understood that the ministry of the holy spirit was personal uh, you know, we, we see here in Romans eight twenty six where it says this he, he, he's writing to the Romans he says likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and so what we see here is this the Spirit helps us in our weakness? The Spirit intercedes for us when we don't even know how to pray. It couldn't be more personal than that, could it? Let me ask you this, and, and this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but but how many of you have ever experienced weakness in your life? I know the answer, and it's all of us, right? There's always been a there there, there are times in our life where we feel Weak. We feel as though you know that we are really struggling with having the strength that we need sometimes to go on, to persevere, to continue down that road of life. Sometimes, because life can be so difficult, and oftentimes we experience weakness. and And to read this, and to think about this, uh, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh helping us in the midst of our weakness and the Spirit interceding for us when we don't even know, we don't even have the words to go to the Father in prayer, the Holy Spirit of God interceding for us with words that are too deep uh, for us to, to really understand. Groanings too deep for words. This makes the ministry of the Holy Spirit hugely relevant. For each and every one of us in this place, each and every one of us here today, we all experience these things and knowing the personal nature of the ministry of the Holy Spirit should encourage each and every one of us. The other thing that Paul would have definitely known is this, is that he knew the ministry of the Holy Spirit was illuminating. He knew it was illuminating. He knew that the Holy Spirit's role, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the truth of God's Word to us, to illuminate truth to God's people. And so we, we see this in, in many different passages, but in, in one in particular in John 16, since we're talking about John earlier, John 16, verse 13, where it says this, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you those things that are to come. And so Paul understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be one that was truth-centered. He understood it to be one that would not mislead you. He understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit was to convict, but to also encourage and to eliminate truth to us. If there's ever been confusion in your head, if there's ever been a time where you find yourself just utterly confused, please know this, that God is not the author of confusion. He's just not the author of confusion. Look to Him for truth. And the role of the Holy Spirit of God is to illuminate that truth to us. And so Paul knew those things. He knew a lot about the Holy Spirit. That's just a few I, I wish I had time to just dive into this, but but he knew a lot about the Holy Spirit. So I want us to keep those things in mind as we look at our text today as we really dive into our text and try to understand it, I want us to keep these two things in mind. That the work of the Holy Spirit is very personal. That means it's not, for, you know, it's not for someone else that you know of who may be a strong believer. It's for you, and it's for me, it's for all of us. It's very personal, and it's also a work of illuminating truth, leading us to truth as we need it. And so let's keep that in mind as we dive into our text. Now let's look at our text this morning. Galatians 5. Paul starts off, and he says this in verse 16 he says but i say he says i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh and so paul is making it very clear that 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 we need to Walk by the Spirit what does that mean to us what does it mean to live out our life day after day as believers in Christ Jesus walking in the Spirit and that's what he's he's challenging us to do to walk in the Spirit to always be walking in the Spirit and he he goes on to say when we do this when we live out our life walking by the Spirit then we won't be tempted we won't be led to gratify the, the the desires of our flesh and specifically talking about sin in our life we, we won't want to chase after sin in our life we won't want to embrace sin in our life when we're walking by the Spirit so that's one benefit right there is that when we find ourselves walking by the Spirit Paul says that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh and then he says this toward the end as we start thinking about all of this in verse 25, he says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what does all that mean? What does that mean for us? You know, one of the things that is very interesting to me is that Jesus often talked about really two paths that we could take in life. Jesus talks about the life, that, the, the path that leads to death, and he talks about the path that leads to life. In fact, in Matthew 7, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus begins to talk about one path being a wide path. Jesus begins to talk about one path being a a very wide path, a broad path, and an easy path. It's really easy to walk down this particular path and he says but this wide path this broad path the path that so many people in this world in fact many more people in this world will ultimately take this path will lead to death but he then begins to also say in verse 14 he begins to describe another path a much narrower path that leads to life he says this one is a harder path this one is the path that requires more discipline in our life this is a path that, that certainly requires a reliance on the Holy Spirit of God that's what we're talking about here now it, it requires a, a reliance on the Holy Spirit of God as we, as we walk this narrow path we certainly will be dependent on the Holy Spirit of God but Jesus says this path leads to what? to life and he would also tell us not just life but abundance life. And so Jesus always was talking about these two paths that we have an opportunity to take. I mean we could take this one or we could take that one. Well this is exactly what Paul is is I think trying to to teach us as we talk about living our lives, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And basically what Paul is saying here is we can choose either one of two paths spiritually. We can choose to take the path of the flesh, uh, which is a path to spiritual tragedy. He says we can choose the path of flesh. We can wake up in the morning and we can choose the path of flesh. And if we do that, then we're going to be on a path to to real tragedy and 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 destruction this is what jesus said you're going to choose the the wide path it's going to lead to to death and destruction but paul also says that there's another path that we can walk and we can do this by keeping in step with the holy spirit this other path is one that we can walk that leads to spiritual fulfillment and peace now i don't know about you i don't know about you i prefer this is just me i prefer peace over destruction does anybody disagree with me here this morning i, I just I, I would prefer to have a life of peace wherever i go i i would i would prefer a life of fulfillment as i go and so I, if we believe the word of god and i believe the word of god to be the word of god and and as the holy spirit illuminates this truth to us then then it should be clear that the path that we choose is that narrow path that Jesus often talked about. The path that we choose it should be certainly that spiritual path that leads to not destruction, not to tragedy, but to spiritual fulfillment and peace. Now let's look at these two paths, because that's what Paul does here in our text, in our passage today. The first one that he mentions is the path of spiritual tragedy. He lays this out for us. What he says here is he, he's basically reminding us of, of two things here as we begin to look into this text. The first thing he wants to remind us of is this, is that the flesh is open to sin. Here, here what Paul does. He, he says, you know, if we're going to live our life by the flesh, he says these things are going to be evident in our life. And he lists a whole bunch of sins, doesn't he? he just, I mean, he just names a bunch of them. And, and, and a lot of them are, are really—I mean, you look at it and you go, "Oh no, that's not me." But but it, he lists all these sins. But what we must understand as disciples of Jesus is that when we when we choose to live by the flesh, that that the flesh is open to sin, and that sin will lead to more sin, and and and, and so it's not a wise choice to. To follow the path of spiritual destruction or spiritual tragedy in our life. Paul's laying this out for us as we look into this text, we begin to to see this. He begins to talk about this this fact that that the flesh is open to our to to sin. And, And you know, our first thought when we look at this list that Paul begins to mention here. Our first thought, our first mindset is to really just sort of reject these sins. Oh, these are, these are so bad. Uh, that's not me that he's talking about. Famous last words. Right? Famous last words. That'll never happen to me. I'll, I'll never go down that road. I can tell you this. It's guaranteed to be you if you choose the, the path of the flesh. If you're going to walk by the flesh, this is what the truth of God's word says: is that if you're going to walk by the flesh, it is guaranteed that you will face trouble and you will face trials and you will face destruction. It is a truth that leads to death. And that's what Paul's pointing out here. So that's a choice we can make to live by the flesh. But he says, beware because the flesh is open to sin Romans 8 13 says this He says for if you live according to the flesh you will die let, let me ask you a question here this morning how many of you believe that the word of God is the word of God how many of you believe that the word of God is truth? okay about half of us or maybe everybody's on vacation how many of you believe the word of God is truth? we well, just get there you go How many of us believe the Word of God is truth? So if we look at a passage like Romans 8, 13, and it says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. How many of us take that serious? How many of us take that serious? Oh, well, that that surely doesn't mean me. Why doesn't it? If we live by the flesh, we will surely die. But if we live by the Spirit, you put death, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you live by the Spirit, that's a path of spiritual freedom. If you live by the Spirit, if you you walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God, whom Jesus says He will send as a helper for you, it's not some distant cousin to Jesus that we're talking about. It's someone who resides within you. If the Holy Spirit is within you and you choose to walk by the Spirit, you will live. You will live. So why would we ever walk by the flesh? And yet we we do almost every day, don't we? Most every one of us in this room, we get up every morning and we hardly give give it a thought until we find ourselves in the flesh. And so here we see that that Paul is, is laying out this thing. The second thing he really reminds us of is the, the flesh, and this is where it really gets dangerous, the flesh is opposed to the Spirit. The flesh is opposed. So when you're, when you're living in the flesh, it's, just, it's not just as simple as, as sin in your life, and yeah, that sin may hurt me, but you're living in opposition to God. You're living in opposition to God. And so here we begin to see as we, as we look at this that Paul is, is laying these things out for us to understand that we, can, we cannot be living for God if we're living in the flesh. They are opposed to one another. And our passage here in verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. They're opposed to each other. They're in opposition to one another. You know, the thing that Paul really reminds us here as he lays out these sort of, these two paths, walk by the flesh or walk by the Spirit, this is something that we need to remind ourselves on a daily basis. This is something we need to remind ourselves every day as we continue to live for Jesus. And hopefully that's what we are hoping to do is live for Jesus. Amen? We want to live for Jesus, right? We want to live for Jesus. And yet every day we wake up and as we go through life every single week we have an opportunity to make choices whether or not we live by the flesh or we live by the Spirit. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about about just living our lives in a pursuit of holiness and righteousness. And so often we think that our sin is affecting no one but ourselves, And we're okay with living with that. When in fact the Word of God says, no, you're standing in total opposition to God. When you choose to practice your sin day after day after day because it feels good to you it brings happiness to you when you choose to live your life in those sins that you are practicing you are standing in opposition to God Paul doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat it here He doesn't sugarcoat it you know in our text in our text he says here in verse 19 he says the works of the flesh are evident they're evident it may be that it may be that for us we think that no one knows but God knows if no one else does the works of the ev- uh, of the flesh are evident Now, the second thing, the second path that Paul begins to teach us on or teach us about is the path of spiritual peace, the path of fulfillment, the path that doesn't stand in opposition to God and and my desire and my hope and my prayer this morning is that for every single one of us that are here today for every single one of us that are gathered in this place my hope and my prayer is that this is where our desire lies is that we would want to every day walk the path that we would want to live out this this path of spiritual peace and fulfillment and, and what Paul says here, he says, you know, one of these paths is living by the flesh, and he goes through all these sins that are very, really taboo in our culture today. They're really taboo. And it's real easy for us to say, well, I'll never end up there. But Paul says there's a different path. And as he talks about the evidences of the flesh, in other words, the if you're walking by the flesh it will be evident because of the sin in your life he says that also there will be evidence when you're walking by the spirit there will be evidence when you walk by the spirit he says this in verse 22 and following he says but the fruit of the spirit in other words the result of of the spirit in other words the result of walking by the holy spirit keeping in step with the holy spirit seeking god pursuing holiness pursuing the things of God rather than the things of this world and flesh when we begin to pursue the things of God when we begin to keep in step with the Holy Spirit when we find ourselves taking that pathway what Paul says is there will be fruit from that kind of life there will be evidences if you will of a a disciple of Jesus who chooses to walk in the Spirit He says, but it doesn't have to be that we walk in the flesh. It doesn't have to be that we we choose that spiritual path. It can be another. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Notice these words. Notice what the Word of God is saying to us this morning. That for the disciple of Jesus, They have crucified the desires of the flesh. This is where we should be as followers of Jesus Christ, as true children of God. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the narrow path that Jesus often refers to. seek first, Jesus would say His righteousness His holiness Pursue not the things of the world but pursue the things of Christ When we walk in the Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit whom the Father has sent to us, who the Father has given to us, it will be evident. There will be things that result of it. All of these characteristics that we see and so many more. Those who have belonged to Jesus Christ have crucified flesh you know what Jesus you know what Jesus meant when he said take up your cross daily and follow me have you ever thought about what that really means when we consider the crucifixion when we consider everything that Jesus did on the cross Jesus suffered and he died on the cross It was on the cross that Jesus died. And so when Jesus says to us, take up your cross daily, what is it that we think that He is saying to us? What is it that we think that He is trying to communicate to us? He is saying to us, crucify the flesh. Crucify the flesh. So that you can walk in the Spirit. Don't live according to the flesh. Live according to the Spirit. Take up your cross. Die to self that you may find what? Life in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. The question that we must ask this morning, the question that we have to ask this morning if we care anything about who we are, if we care anything about our loved ones, if we care anything about each other as a faith family, the question that we must ask ourselves this morning is are we being led by the flesh or are we being led by the Spirit? And my prayer this morning is that each and every one of us, each and every one of us would ask ourselves that question. Are you being led by the, the flesh? Is the flesh that which is controlling your life? Or is it, is it the Spirit of God that's, that's taking you on a journey? And that journey is a wonderful journey. Are you allowing the Spirit of God to lead you as you wake up in the morning to lead you and to illuminate truth into your life that you may understand God's will for your life? Are you allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit? Are you resisting by giving into the flesh? Are you producing the works of the flesh? Are you producing the fruit of the Spirit? It's a question that we must challenge ourselves with every day. It's a question that I ask myself every day. I want to know that I'm walking in the Spirit. I want to know that I'm being led by the Spirit of God each and every day. And so I challenge myself with that question, as you should do the same. One of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us is salvation in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't wind up on the cross by accident. It wasn't God's plan gone haywire. It was the plan all along that Jesus would come to this earth and that He would walk this earth and live a life of perfection and holiness. It was His plan all along that He would come and He would show the world that He was the Son of God. It was His plan all along that He would come and He would carry out a ministry on this earth teaching His disciples that He may one day send them out so that they could go and make disciples themselves of all nations it was Jesus' plan all along that he would go to the cross and die it wasn't an accident and one of the greatest gifts that he has offered to us and what he grants us by his grace is the gift of salvation salvation That should rock our world. That should rock our world. You know what another great gift is that God has given us? is the gift of sanctification. That when we find Jesus, that we don't just sort of sit there and wallow in inch-deep Christianity. But by the work of the Holy Spirit of God, He would begin to mature us and mold us shape us and transform our hearts that we would no longer walk on that path of destruction that path of the flesh but we would crucify ourselves and take up that cross daily and follow Him that He would grow us and mature us as children of God.